Today we light the candle of peace. Peace is a word that we hear a lot. It is one of the things that we hope for. Christ brought peace when he first came to us, and he will bring everlasting peace when he comes again. The prophet Isaiah called Christ the Prince of Peace. When Jesus came, he taught people the importance of being peacemakers. He said that those who make peace shall be called the children of God. We light the candle of peace to remind us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and that through him peace is found. Peace is like a light shining in a dark place. As we look at this candle, we celebrate the peace we find in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for the peace you give us. We ask that as we wait for all your promises to come true and for Christ to come again, that you would remain present with us. Help us today and every day to worship you, to hear your word, and to do your will by sharing your peace with each other. We ask it in the name of the one who was born in Bethlehem. Amen. people again. Uh, it's wonderful to share this time of the season with you and to uh, share the love of God with one another. 
Uh, it's great to worship God, uh, especially during this Christmas and Advent season. We welcome you. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together today. And we'd like to invite our guests to drop by our hospitality table after the worship service in our foyer. We have a little gift that we would like to give to you, and uh, just as an, as an expression of appreciation for you being here today. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that's on the end of each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. We'd like to know who's here. And, and also, uh, uh, if, if you would like to receive our email newsletter, it comes out once a week, every Thursday morning, uh, please be sure to put your email address on there, and we'll be, be glad to get you on the list. Have you been joyful during this Christmas season? Good. Wonderful. Have you, have you been hopeful? Have you found the love of God during this Christmas season? Huh? Come on, come on. Have you found the peace of God? We have done that through our Advent season as we've, as we've celebrated week after week the God of hope, the God of love, the God of joy, and the God of peace. And that's what draws us together as the people of God. So today, as we have lit the, um, the candle of peace, I want to encourage you to offer the peace of God to each other. Let us stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord and pass the peace of God. It's great to share the love of God as we're finding our seats. I want to invite our children to come forward. All of our children, come on up to the front and we'll have our, our children's moment. Mr. Kirk is up here uh, for our children's moment. So come on up, children.
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her.
Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the many gifts that you have bestowed on us and the many blessings. We especially thank you for sending your Son that we may have the opportunity to follow you more closely and enjoy eternal life with you. As we give our offerings today, we ask your blessings on those who give the offerings and the offerings themselves that we may be wise enough to use them for the glory of your kingdom. All these things we ask in thy name. Amen.
Thank you, choir. What a wonderful job. That's a, that's a hard piece to sing, it's a, but, and it's so beautiful. And I, I'm thankful for you for uh, the wonderful job you did in praising God in this way. Um, there's a story a while back in the Canadian version of Reader's Digest about a large moose that wandered into a neighborhood in Calgary. Um, the moose ended up on the front lawn of a lady named Lorna Cade, and so she called the Fish and Wildlife uh, uh, Department to send an officer to try to coax this beautiful creature back into the wild. But the officer came, and he spent a, a good two hours trying to, to get this, this creature to leave the neighborhood and go back into the woods. But after failing to do this, he had no other choice but to shoot the, the moose with a tranquilizer dart. Um, and when he did that, the moose bolted down the street and um, ended up collapsing in another lady's front lawn. Well, the reporters who had been following this story uh, interviewed the lady at the house where the moose uh, had collapsed. And they asked the lady what she thought about this moose that had passed out on her front lawn and her response was, well, I'm really surprised, but 
not nearly as surprised as my husband will be. And uh, so the reporter asked, well, why is that? And she said, well, my husband has gone moose hunting. (laughs) Her husband has gone out to find moose, and a large moose has ended up in his front yard. Well, you know, that's precisely the message of Christmas, isn't it? You see, while while humanity spends its time looking for God, God has come to us in the baby of Bethlehem. You see, God, you see, Christmas is a God thing. It's a God thing. It's something that God has done for us. The angel Gabriel was sent to Nazareth to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. And the angel said to to Mary, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But Mary didn't know what to make of this. Uh, It's not every day that you get approached by an angel. And she was a little bit antsy about what's going on. She doesn't know what to make of everything. And so the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son and And you are to call that son Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and his kingdom will last forever. Well, Mary knew that this was impossible. And so she said, well, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. Once again, I say that Christmas is a God thing. The point is that we could not reach up to God. So God came down to us. And that is indeed the good news for all of us today. Michael Hendricks tells about a a dinner party that he once attended during the Christmas season that and the house was properly decorated for the, for the time of the year, including an electric train that was set up to go around the base of the Christmas tree. But one of the children was running the train too fast, and, and the train came off its rails. And so she bent down over the train trying to put it back onto the track, and she was having some struggle, some difficulty with it. And, and the host noticed what she was doing and, and went over to help and, and said, You can't do that from above. You have to get down beside it. And so he lay down on the floor beside the train where he could see exactly how to place the wheels of the train onto the track. Well, Hendricks thought about that. He says, what a wonderful way to think about the incarnation. The human race had derailed and needed to be put back on the track of life. And it could not be done from above. God had to come down beside us in order to put us back on track. And that's exactly what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. God came and lived among us in the person of Jesus in order to to show us God's love for us and to put us back on the track of life. My friends, when, when we could not reach up to God, God came down to us. He ate our food. 
He wore our clothes. He lived his life on the same level with all of us. And we call this the incarnation, which is a word which means to to take on flesh. You see, the Spirit of God took on human flesh in that manger of Bethlehem, and the world has never been the same since then. Now, you may be wondering what it means to say that we could not reach up to God, and and it means several things. There are many ways in which we could not reach up to God, and I want to touch on a few of those this morning. I think, first of all, it means that we could not reach up to God intellectually. Intellectually. In other words, our little brains are simply not big enough to understand God. If you think you have all the answers there are about God, I'm sorry. You're wrong. Our brains can't do that. You see, Christian, the Christian faith is, is not a philosophy that somebody thought up. The, the Christian faith is a revelation. God revealed God's purpose and God's love and God's grace and, and, and God's plan to us in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. So, that, so, so if there are things about our faith that you don't understand, join the club. That's true of all of us. If we could understand everything there is to know about God, guess what? God would not be God. We simply do not have the mental capabilities to, to reach up to God intellectually. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, a, me, a metaphor, if you will. Uh, some of you may remember Humphrey the humpback whale. Anybody remember Humphrey the humpback whale? Some people do. Uh, it, it's, it's stretching back a, a little ways there. Humphrey the humpback whale uh, became somewhat of a national celebrity back in 1985 when he made his way into the San Francisco Bay and then headed up the Sacramento River into fresh water. You may remember that. You remember this, this coming to you now? Okay. Uh, he was up in the fresh water, which, of course, could be fatal to him. And every night, a national audience on the national news would, would tune in to find out an update of what the situation was with Humphrey, the, the humpback whale. Many experts and, and well-meaning lay people uh, tried their best to get Humphrey to turn around and go back down the river and uh, in, into the ocean, into the salt water of the, of the ocean, but, but nothing seemed to work. And then after several weeks of being trapped in the fresh water, it began to take its toll on, on Humphrey's health. His, his, his skin began to, to turn gray, and he was becoming more and more listless. And, and none of the traditional herding techniques were, were working, and the world began, uh, began to worry that, that Humphrey was dying. And then as a, as a last-ditch effort, Dr. Bernie Krause, who had recorded... The sounds of humpback whales feeding suggested using those sounds to, as a way to lure Humphrey out. And, and nobody knew if it would work or not, but it was a last shot at saving him. And so a, a speaker was lowered down into the water and the sounds of other humpback whales were played. And, and everybody stood quietly while these eerie songs reverberated through the hull of the ship. And suddenly Humphrey emerged from the water right beside the ship, right where the speaker was 
was playing. Captain quickly started down the river and Humphrey followed behind. As they approached the San Francisco Bay and the water began to to get salty again, Humphrey was visibly excited. He would he began to dive deeply into the bay and, and then to emerge again as if he were leaping for joy. It was, it was kind of like the, the, uh, the climax of one of those Hollywood movies. There were helicopters all, all over the place in the, in the sky and the riverbanks were lined with um, spectators who were all cheering Humphrey on. Uh, eventually, the crew led him out through the Golden Gate Bridge to the freedom of the Pacific Ocean. And Humphrey was saved. Now, don't you think that's interesting? They failed using various methods to lure Humphrey to turn around. Nothing seemed to work until he heard the sounds of other humpback whales. I guess it takes a whale to talk to a whale. You think? It takes a whale to talk to a whale. Now, imagine God's dilemma here. God sought to communicate God's love and God's purpose for all of us through the law and through the prophets and through the scripture and through the worship of the Hebrew people. But the people still didn't get it. We did not understand how much God loves us and that God's ultimate plan was for us to love one another. And so God did the only thing left for God to do. God became one of us. And the baby of Bethlehem. God came to us when intellectually we could not reach up to God. But that's not the only way that we could not reach up to God. You see, we could could not also, we also couldn't reach up to God morally. Morally. Before the coming of Jesus, the Jewish people believed that the way to to God was through their righteous living. If you could just follow the law, if you could just keep all of the ordinances of the law, then then you could be saved. But, But this kind of salvation didn't work. Instead, for... For some, their, their devotion to the law, it, 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 it became, it deteriorated in, into a, a, a arduous form of legalism. And they would look down their noses at other people who weren't quite as righteous as they were. So that was not good. And for other people, knowing that they had no hope of fulfilling the law, they just threw up their hands and gave up. Why try? I can't do it anyway. Why even try? They were kind of like a little three-year-old girl who was Christmas shopping with her mother. uh, And she was obviously getting tired. You ever been with a three-year-old in the store and they're pretty tired? What do they do? They get a little whiny, don't they? Well, you know what? Mothers get a little whiny too, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, and this three-year-old child, this little girl was getting tired and and they were standing in line at the register, and, and, you know, this time of the year, the line is tremendous, and it's always slow. Susan was telling me yesterday about being in line, and, and the lady was, you know, just, just dragging things on there. It's always slow. And this was the case with this, with this lady and the little girl. It was also slow. 
Her mother's patience was wearing thin, and she was getting irritable. And so when the little girl started to whine, the mother said, straighten up and be nice. And the child said, Mommy, I'm all out of nice. <laughs> you know, sometimes we adults run out of nice too, don't we? <laughs> and it's not a pretty sight when that happens. Nobody's perfect, we say at times like that, and of course that's true. But, but sometimes when we give in to the imperfections of our lives, sad things happen. Sad things happen. Dr. Samuel Massey tells about watching a a World War II movie in which one character is giving another character lessons on how to destroy a dam. And the pupil anticipated that, that if you packed the dam with enough dynamite, then you could send the whole thing to kingdom come. But the teacher explained that you you didn't really need to do that. You didn't need to use that many explosives to bring this dam down. Just place a few sticks in critical, vulnerable spots, blow them up and wait. Silently, but certainly, the pent-up water behind the dam would do the rest of the work, and the whole thing would come down and wash downstream. Well, my friends, what is true of a dam is also true of a family or a reputation or a relationship. Just one time of running out of nice can sink us. One seemingly minor indiscretion can blow a a huge hole in our life. And who will help us? Who will save us when we've blown up our lives? Well, we know the answer to that, don't we? It is the Savior of the world. I love something that Max Lucado said in one of his books. He said, it's unfortunate that most of us see our lives as a composite of our failures. Think about that for a minute. So many of us see our lives as a composite of our failures. When we look in the mirror, all we see are our failures. But even though many of us can't see beyond the the failures that we've had in our lives, this is not the way that God looks at us. You see, God is is a loving God. And God looks past those failures in our lives. He doesn't look at the things that we've done wrong. He looks past those things that we've done wrong in our lives. That's what grace is all about. Lucado says, can you imagine a loving parent introducing their children by saying, this is my daughter who stained the carpet with grape juice when she was two years old? Or this is my son who broke a valuable antique vase when he was throwing the ball inside when he was five? My friends, if, if loving parents don't have the need to to memorize all of their children's failures, then you can rest assured that our loving Father in heaven has no use for those memories either. Jesus showed us God's amazing grace. He helped us to understand that grace is not something that we earn. It is a gift to us. Free. 
And so you see, we could not reach up to God with our minds intellectually, nor could we reach up to God morally. Nor could we reach up to God with our good works. And that's the third thing. Even now, 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus, we know what God wants of us. God wants us to love one another. God wants us to take care of the least and the lowest. God wants us to lay down our lives for others, even as he laid down his life for us. But time after time, we fail that test of love and compassion. Just as we failed the test of keeping all the commandments and the laws. You see, we just don't have it in us to love like Jesus loved. Robert Morris tells a story of a disheveled Hispanic man who showed up at his church just after the, just after the midnight service on Christmas Eve. The pastor of the church was a friend of uh, Morris's. His name was Mark. And Mark was a man who was devoted to serving the homeless. He spent much of his time, much of his energy, much of his uh, ministry in, in serving the homeless people in his community. But it was Christmas Eve. It was after midnight. He was tired. And this one last Hispanic gentleman was almost one homeless person too many for Mark. He knew that his commitment to being a caring pastor had put him in this position, but but he was starting to feel a little sorry for himself. But he put this, he, he finally put this man in his car. And he drove him to the shelter. And, and on the way as he was driving, he was just kind of stewing in his anger. He was angry at himself. He was angry at, his, at, at, uh, at the man for interrupting his Christmas Eve. He was ultimately even angry at God. But then he realized he, he didn't even know the man's name. And so he asked him. And the man said, Jesus. And let, let me let that sink in a second. That's the Spanish pronunciation for Jesus. Jesus. Suddenly the ironic humor of this whole situation washed over Mark's mind and heart. Here he was griping to God about a man named Jesus and about having to take this man named Jesus to find some shelter on Christmas Eve. Sound familiar? (laughs) He felt that this was some kind of a cosmic trick. The whole situation both judged his anger and shook him out of it. Leave it to God to beat us at our own game, he thought. And so gratefully, that Christmas Eve, he provided shelter to a homeless man named Jesus. You know, anyone who spends his or her life seeking to do good burns out at some time or another. It's inevitable. It happens. We're not Jesus. 
And I know that there are a lot of loving and devoted people in this congregation. And, and, um, and you serve God in our church and in our community. And I thank God every day for you. But none of us, no matter how much good we do, can keep it up forever. We cannot love as Jesus loved. Our, our, our love is just a, a drop in the bucket compared to the love that Christ showed us on Calvary. And so you see, we, we cannot reach up to God intellectually. We cannot reach up to God morally. We cannot reach up to God with our good works. And that's why the world needs Christmas. Christmas is the celebration of God reaching down to us when we could not reach up to God. Let me finish with one more, one last story here. Rowan Williams, who is the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Archbishop of the Anglican Church, he tells about watching a video showing the, the work of a, of a very well-known uh, therapist in, in Great Britain. And in this video, the therapist is explaining what she is trying to do with her methods uh, to treat a young man who is suffering from um, severe autism. And in the video, you, you see this young man, uh, at, at first he's severely disturbed, and, and he's beating his head against a wall, and he's walking fast up and down the, the room, and, and he has a piece of string in his hands, and he's flipping around and twisting it around like this. And, and the therapist's first response is strange. She takes a piece of string and starts twisting it and flipping it around, just like the young boy is. Well, when the young man makes a noise, she makes a noise. And when he begins to, to bang his hand on the table, she bangs her hand on the table. She does the same thing. And, and this video shows what's hap- what happens over a two-day period of time. And by the end of the two days, the boy has begun to smile at the therapist, to respond to her. A relationship has developed. And here's what the therapist said about that. She said, autism arises when the brain senses too much information coming in from the outside. And and there's a feeling of of panic. And so the mind attempts to regain control. And and the best way it it, it, it sees to do that is to close itself off and not acknowledge anything coming in from the outside. But when the therapist gently began to echo the actions and the rhythms of the, of the patient, the patient begins to see that there is a link to the outside world that's not threatening. Here's someone doing what I do. And so the world isn't just an unfamiliar place of terror and uncertainty. And so that relationship begins. Archbishop Williams says this, she said, he said, to see this sort of thing in action is intensely moving. This is real mental and spiritual healing at work. But it also gives us a powerful image of what Christmas is all about. You see, at Christmas time, God broke down the barriers between ourselves and God. And he did that by becoming one of us. One with us. 
one who has come alongside us. And that, my friends, is the good news for this final Sunday of Advent. We could not reach up to God. And when we could not do that, God reached down to us. God became as we are so that we might know God's love and to be led to love one another as Christ has loved us. I pray that each one of us would hear this good news of God's love today so that we may establish that relationship of love with the God-child, Jesus Christ, who came to be with us, who came to be one with us, so that we may love one another and love God as we've been called to do. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. It's number 79. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Uh, beautiful, beautiful hymn of, of Christmas time. A hymn of longing for the coming of Christ. We're going to offer you an opportunity to respond to God's spirit as God has moved in your life. And if there's someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Christ, we invite you to do that. If you're looking for a church home to be involved with, we invite you to unite with our church. Or if you need to, just need a time of prayer, we invite you to come and we'll pray together. Would you come, to get, come as we sing number 79, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's 76. Thank you. being with us today. Just a few announcements uh, before we leave. Let me remind everyone, uh, this Saturday we'll be having our Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve 
that is at 5 o'clock. And we invite you to come and be a part of that. We have a, a wonderful service planned, a lot of people participating, a lot of music. And, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, one of the highlights of our year. And so let me invite you to come on Christmas Eve and, uh, and share that time with us uh, Saturday evening at 5 o'clock. Uh, also, of course, next Sunday is Christmas Day. Christmas is one of those years where Christmas falls on Christmas Day, and we want to honor and worship our Lord uh, that day. But we also recognize that there's it's kind of a, a, a hectic time in the morning, especially when little kids get up and they they want to. You know, Santa Claus is kind of important too, and, and so we're going to alter our schedule a little bit on Christmas morning. We're going to be here for our normal worship hour at, um, at, at 1045, uh, but we will not be having Sunday school on Christmas morning. So uh, you can come if you want to, but I won't be here. I'm going to be with Santa Claus that day, or that, early that morning anyway. And one other thing, let me invite you to come this afternoon. We're going to be meeting here at 4 o'clock uh, this afternoon and kind of gathering together and, and going out and doing some Christmas caroling. Uh, we're going to be going to different people's homes and, and caroling this afternoon. It's, it's always a great time. So come and join us this afternoon at 4 o'clock as we, as we share this, this tradition of the season together. Let's bow for our benediction. Your mercies are new every morning, O oh God. And your mercy is for those who reverence you from generation to generation. Today we thank you that your mercy has come down, even to us. We thank you that you have sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we leave here today, that we will see your full salvation in our lives and in our world. That we may know your compassions, which do not fail. And that we may be freed from every bondage. And that we may do our part in freeing others from theirs. Through the Spirit of Christ who lives within us, we pray. Amen.